All right, guys, so welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Perfect podcast. And today, like always, I've got another incredible guest on. So this guy is an international renowned chef, Jason Roberts. How are you going? Good, mate. It's, it's funny because when you use the word international, I mean, I, I mean I'm from New Zealand, so I guess it's fair cool, bro. <laughs> I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about you, but when I, when I, um, I was talking to you the other day and I was like, I'm sure it's Kiwi, like it's Kiwi. I was living in New Zealand for like, I think it was about three years. I moved from the UK and then moved to New Zealand around 2004 to 2006. Love, yep. love New Zealand. Love it. So it's interesting that you come over from the UK because you clearly had a choice. Most Aussies didn't, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know. Yeah, I never told you that I was chased out of the UK, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I, I had the good fortune. You know, I was born in New Zealand, but I sort of grew up predominantly in Australia. I mean, my first once I when I turned three, you know, moved to Queensland. So my first sort of 10, 11 years, you know, up until the age of say 14, I was living on a farm in Queensland, which, which is sort of where I sort of really grew my understanding of unconditional love and trust and things like that. You know, those first formative seven years were, were definitely in Queensland. So I had a bush upbringing. <laughs> But we're going to get onto your family in a bit because there's, there's a thing that you talk about your cooking with your family and how you ingrain it in everything. Um, but for anybody listening out there, majority of people know who you are, but I'm just going to run through a few things that you have done. So a native of New Zealand, Jason Roberts is known for his charismatic smile and engaging personality. Look at that smile. Big cheese, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Having grown up in a family of culinary professionals, Jason discovered his passion for food at a young age. Um, in Sydney, Australia, where he was immersed in the traditions and techniques of French cuisine by his mentor. His accolades caught the attention of Australia's Channel 9, where he became the host of Fresh, cooking program that aired five days a week in Australia and New Zealand. In January 2003, he was introduced to the United States on ABC's Good Morning America. He's also appeared on the Wayne Brady Show, the Sharon Osbourne Show, E, the Style Network, You're Invited, New York City's Morning Show, Everything, mate. You've been on every single network going. So get around, bro. Testament to you. Um, and you're also additionally, Jason, former cast member of the hit daytime talk show, The Chew on ABC, and you're the author of three cookbooks, including Elements, Grays, Lots of Little Meals Fast, and his newest cookbook, Good Food Fast. Mm-hmm. So, so when, when do you have time for to do everything, mate? <laughs> Well, interesting enough, my cooking career has spanned over almost 30 years. So if you condensed it, I mean, yeah. by the way you said it, the thing I've done this over 30 years too. But, you know, I, I think my, I, I was very fortunate. I had a great foundation um, and a love of cooking. I guess, you know, yes, I did come from, from a family of, of food professionals, my grandmother, my grandfather, my grandmother, sort of on both sides, you know, that everyone sort of cooked. Um, but, you know, I, I knew at the age of four that I wanted to cook anyway. So it was sort of... I was always knew I was going to get into cooking. It was never about the money. It was just that there was, I was just being led to food. Um, I sort of lucked it, I guess, when I moved from, um, so I grew up on a farm and then I moved to New Zealand when I was 14 and then I was back back in Sydney by the time I was 18 looking for a job and it had to be in a restaurant. <laughs> Funnily enough, my first job was at KFC for a, probably a couple of months. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up getting a real job in a, in a say a real job, but a, a real cooking job. <laughs> I started an apprenticeship yeah. as a young apprentice chef at Ravisi's in, in Bondi Beach. 
which led me to Armstrong, which led me to, to Mr. Moncur. And at the time in 92, 93, Mr. Moncur had two hats, was a, uh, was a very new restaurant, um, was a classic French style bistro, but had sort of revolutionized, uh, revolutionized uh, pub food, I guess, so to speak, because the Valara Hotel was where Mr. Moncur is and still is today. Um, and I spent close to maybe eight years at, at Bistro Moncur and I worked through the ranks of finishing off my apprenticeship, um, doing, you know, I was a pastry chef and then I was the second chef or sous chef and then I was the head chef. But I always had fantastic mentorship, which was very important to me and probably it's what shaped me today. The other thing, you know, to think about too is that I was always very young. I was always the youngest, no matter what I did. You know, but when I was head chef at Bistro Moncur, I was 24. 90% of my staff were older than me. I had fantastic mentorship. The other thing too was I wasn't driven by drugs, alcohol. I hadn't touched the thing um, because I knew that I didn't have a choice. I couldn't, I couldn't ruin my opportunity. If I fell, there was nowhere to fall, basically. My family were in New Zealand, so I had to make this work. But I was so passionate, or so driven. I was doing all the hours, and I loved every moment of it. I was absolutely thriving uh, in, in, in the, the restaurant industry. But that's what I mean when, when you come across like, and I've known you, probably talking to you over the last few weeks, um, just this zest for life, life, and like you mm. are known for your charismatic personality, and that's what I get with you straight away as it's something that's obviously come from your family traditions and, and the saying that you say a family that cooks together stays together, is that something that's always been ingrained and in that you've, you've kind of become a mentor to people that work for you as well and you've treated them the same way for the love and of just people in general and food? Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously of late, obviously with this isolation and everything that we're going through. Um, it's interesting, you know, someone's, you know, I heard a quote today and for the life of me, probably won't ever remember it, but it has everything to do with basically the respect for your elders and the wisdom that they do have and, 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 the, and, and the path that they've already walked. So they do know things. And so I feel, you know, growing up with an incredible love for my grandmother um, and having a great understanding of, you know, how, you know, it's a long-winded story, but in short, you know, basically, you know, after the war, you know, she ended up in New Zealand from uh, Eastern Europe, um, in a new country, didn't know the language, no family, and basically had to start again. But this, you know, my grandmother um, is the matriarch of our family too. So such incredible respect um, to the women in my family. And I think, and having known her, her life and her, um, her struggles and her triumphs, I guess, you know, it's ingrained not only myself, my brother and my sister, my mother, my aunties, anyone who's sort of had any time with my grandmother um, has this sense of empathy. So I think that was fantastic. And I was very lucky to have that understanding because as a, as a young chef with a lot of responsibility, I always had empathy for people. Mm. So I was never the Gordon Ramsay in the kitchen. I was the person who would show you not once but twice and if you needed it, three and four times. Yes. Because I felt it was always on me. If you couldn't get this right. It was because of the way I was showing you. And sometimes, you know, and, and I do have to be careful of that because sometimes you can give too much of yourself yeah. and people will take advantage of that. And I think throughout my life I've noticed, you know, it comes in ebbs and flows where some people just actually just take the piss. Yeah. But, but for the best part of it, I have a very empathetic um, 
love for people. And I think to where we are today and what we're going through and this, you know, this isolation cooking and doing these lives at four o'clock, I'm, you know, I'm working, I feel like I'm working around the clock, you know, filming, editing, writing recipes, um, making connections, getting, we had Gabriel Gete, a wonderful chef, come on today and making these um, connections. Um, and so I'm sort of forgetting about myself for a moment. But the thing is, I'm absolutely thriving in this situation because I'm giving. It's just innate and it's in a big part of me to give of myself. So, you know, I'm earning zero dollars, but I'm having the time of my life. I just need more sleep. But uh, yeah, <laughs> try schooling, homeschooling as well. Oh, about. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm, for, I'm fortunate. I have a 15 year old son <laughs> that lives with his mum and he's doing great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who's teaching who these days here. I mean, what oh, yeah. oh, I have no we, idea. We never did. But um, I suppose that's, that's, you actually took the words out of my mouth because I can remember you saying the other day on an Instagram Live you was doing with somebody that you were absolutely thriving. And only a couple of weeks ago, you yep. were saying social media is, is, is just the epitome of separating people and now you couldn't be more happy with it and now it's connecting. And... Yeah, I, and, but then out of fairness, you know, today I feel like I'm over it again. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> yeah, social media has a hold of me yeah, my eyes have started to, to go square and glazing over a little bit, but I think it's also um, to be actually to be socially responsible is to put my phone down as well. You don't need to be accessible twenty four seven, so I need to create windows of time in which I allow people into my life. Yeah, but also allow myself to give so much of myself. And any time you know, doing a live, it's not unlike live television. You know what you think you're giving is 100%, you need to add another 50. But there's so much of it's lost between, you know, the camera that, that, that's on you and then it getting out to where it needs to be sort of thing. So you give so much more. And then I have a lot of pride in what I do. So there is, is getting things ready. And then, you know, sometimes, depending on what we're making, here's one I prepared earlier. I had to shop for that, prepare for it, wash up after it, be ready. You know, I don't have a full kitchen with a, you know, a kitchen staff behind me. This is, so it's every, honestly, is everything. But I, but I am absolutely thriving right now. I, I, I can't even tell you why, apart from the, just the connections. And, and, and to an extent, there's a little bit of gratitude and there is, well, there's a lot of gratitude. There's a lot of great messages and comments from people. But there is this, a, a slightly deeper connection to what there was four weeks ago. And I'd be the first person to tell you that social media is anything but social connection. Yeah. It's a, it's a, am I okay? Is my picture look okay? Um, how many likes did I get? Is there a retweet? Like there, there was, it sort of really wasn't working. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's working now, but even now we need to know how to pull ourselves off it. My biggest fear and, and, and for, for most adults who may potentially be watching this is it don't use your phone as a pacifier, mm. you know, use it to engage, build your business, um, enjoy it for some con uh, some content, the news and stuff like that, but know when to take yourself off it. And if you have kids, take the time to spend with the kids. And I've been fortunate just, you know, talking to my cousin, my brother, who all have kids. They said, I don't think I ever want to work again. I actually love my kids. Yeah. Like they're getting one-on-one -on -one time. They're, they're adults and now being big kids. They're playing cards and games and, 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 but, you know, unfortunately for every great story here, he's some shockers too. Our parents are just <laughs> can't get enough wine. Yeah, yeah. 
but no, I think it's um, and like we were talking the other day about it, and, and you're very much into the whole notion of mindfulness and well-being. So it, it's almost a sense of all this connection and all this real, genuine connection and people having more empathy. Obviously, the reality is it's sad that there are people out there losing jobs. But on, in respect, on the other side of thing, we are seeing the good side of humanity as well. And we are seeing real deep connections mm -hmm. being made, which I think is amazing. What I did want to touch on was, and I do this on each podcast, because what people, and with the campaign, it attributes to kind of, de-celebritizing the notion of a public figure and what people tend to think of them from what they see on TV or where, wherever it may be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in yourself, we, we obviously see you, you're working with a lot of well-known people and you're well-known yourself. You've been on TV. You seem very confident. Have you always been an extrovert in terms of yourself or is that something you've had to work on? Because I mean, you've gone from being, being, a, being a Kiwi, which is a, a small island, to then thrown into Sydney and then just climbing the ranks in terms of your profession and then suddenly thrown into TV and not just Australian TV, but worldwide TV in America. Like Good Morning mm -hmm. America is huge. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting. I guess, um, yes, no, I've, there's, I've always been an, uh, an extrovert. Right. Always. I think when I was younger, I mean, that, that it's, think of it like a, like a, a jack-in-the-box, always on the inside. And at some point, as you're getting older, you discover your jack-in-the-box and what makes that work and how does it get open. So a good example would be, you know, you know, I never really had one great friend at school. Everyone is my friend. I went from person to group to person to group to person. You know, I was very social, I guess. So social when I was always socially aware. Um, and I think moving forward, you know, my, my years in a kitchen and the kitchen obviously is very isolating anyway. Um, you're working ridiculous hours, um, can be very antisocial and hence, you know, issues with drugs and alcohol, you know, late at night, early starts, overwork, underpaid and everything that goes with it. Um, so in 2000, when the opportunity had arose for, for TV, I had no interest in television, to be honest. Um, but when it came, I was also that person who opened every doorway. I mean, I, you know, I would go through every doorway that was open. So it was presented to me because at the time, Jamie Oliver hit the scene. Um, and there were many young chefs with a lot of notoriety at the time. I, you know, I was fortunate. I was at the time, 26, 27, running a two-hat restaurant, was getting a lot of accolades, was in and out of the paper for, for various things, you know, not just food, but, you know, events. So chefs at the time were, you know, we were getting a lot of notoriety. And it just happened, you know, I actually shot a pilot for um, Channel 10. Um, actually, interesting story. Shot a pilot for a show called Live This, I think it was called, on Channel 10. Um, Channel 9 had approached me with, with an opportunity. I shot a pilot. Anyway... Long story short, I took the job with Nine, and as soon as I took the job with Nine, I got the, the call from Channel Ten. Hey, show's been picked up. When you can go? Yeah. Um, so went with Nine. The interesting thing is there was a, a wonderful executive producer who now lives abroad. I think he's back in California, Lyndall Marks, and she was the executive producer of several shows. Um, so I sat with her, another guy, Michael Healy, um, who's one of the execs at Channel Nine, and maybe um, one of the publicists. So there were several meetings, 
I felt like it was, you know, go and see, and, and they were sort of, you know, it's basically looking me up and down as to, you know, what are, what's my ability. But Lindell saw something in me. I actually did a piece to camera from the restaurant, and as did several other chefs. And Lindell had seen something, you know, I don't know what it is. It's not here yet, but it's in there, and I know you have it. So she worked with me. Um, on it, and I remember her saying that to me. I mean, the first, the first bit, you know, we were in the back corridors of Channel Nine with a handheld, you know, VHS, you know, camera, um, and and you know, I was cooking something. And at the time, I was all, you know, I, to an extent, you have some sort of an ego. My love of food was very French-driven and what have you, so I wanted to cook French food, which probably wasn't going to transcend through to you know the domestic market. Mums who, you know, a pantry cook, so. Anyway, so you know, I had to change my, my style of cooking for television, which was fine. But the first thing I did was a stuffed artichoke, which which blew up anyway. You know, I had many blooper reels. <laughs> um, but but interesting enough, you know, I did that show for just under four years, uh, and, and that was five days a week. For the first two years, I, I ran both a restaurant in, and did the television. I must I I would have done close to seven days straight for two years running. I mean, it nearly killed me. Um, I was exhausted by the time I, you know, I ended up leaving the restaurant to pursue more television. But in that time, I sort of slid under the radar doing daytime television and day by day, every time I got in front of the camera, it was another layer of bling off sort of thing. I was, an, I was, I was absolutely an extrovert, but there's this sense of um, being in front of a camera that just you become uh, so insecure I wasn't insecure, but I wasn't allowing myself to be me either. Mm. But, you know, eventually that came to the point, though, where, you know, doing TV now, I mean, I don't, I don't get nervous by it. I don't think about it. And I'm more interested in, in, in who's watching. I'm more interested in who can I make laugh. doesn't matter what I'm cooking, you know, depending on, you know, the, the agenda of the show, as long as it's, you know, not, nothing dark and morbid and it's always light and uplifting. Um, then I'm going to be, my first thought is, who can I make laugh? Yeah, yeah. That's really good to think about it like that. And I suppose when you're doing that many hours and you're, you're tired, um, again, attributing towards the campaign in terms of mental health and mental wellness, is that something when you were working all those hours, you were tired, did you find that yourself, your mental health lacked and... and no, I think I had a very good balance. You know, I didn't really... It's interesting because I guess we all, there is, a, there is a sliding scale for everyone when it comes to mental health. Yeah. We all have mental health, good or poor, or where you sit basically on, on that scale. Um, so even though I was working the hours, no, I was just exhausted, but I had a balance because didn't drink and didn't smoke, didn't do drugs, so I wasn't out late, was very focused. I probably was just mentally fatigued more than anything yeah. um, because I backed off maybe a shift or two from the restaurant to pursue more of the television, so I could juggle both. Um, I was just getting tired, but I think what was tiring me more was the fact that I would go and exercise. I was surfed whenever I could. I wasn't really in a relationship in that time, so I didn't have that um, responsibility. Mm. So I feel the only responsibility I had was to turn up to work um, and mentor my staff, call the past, cook, educate. And then for television, it was just to turn up and cook whatever I needed to cook, interview guests. But I was very fortunate, you know, because I was able to slide under the radar with all this, you know, so much 
time on television, you know, no one gets that much time on television. You know, I, I did close to, you know, over a thousand episodes of that show, you know, in that time. So I feel, you know, I was, <laughs> I was given, I mean, it was, it was great education. It also paid very well as well at the time. <laughs> That's always good. But then coming back to your, um, in terms of how you are as, you're very empathetic and, and, and you are a humanitarian. So you, yep. you then reached out and started working a lot with, is it the Chef's Cycle for the Kids with Hunger? Yeah, yeah. So Chef's Cycle, actually, it's funny, I've got the number here. So Chef, I don't know if you can see that. <laughs> I've got number one yeah. written on. So anyway, so this is my pastry, this is my pastry scraper and I use this for cutting pasta now. Um, I, Chef Cycle had come about because I was a supporter of No Kid Hungry and Share Our Strength. Um, I was living in the States. I was on a, on a daytime show there and I had time. So I actually, I was being conscious of mental health. I was riding my bike quite a bit. And anyway, so I had done a little bit of work and I was sort of a little bit tired of the amount of um, dinners I would do for non-for-profits to raise money. I thought, you know what, I would love to do anything but cook for people for a change, you know, do something else. And I could ride and I love riding. I love the idea of being able to be locked away on my bike for a week on a, you know, at a time and go raise money that way. So I ended up having a conversation um, with Deb Shaw, who's one of the co-founders of Share of, of uh, No Kid Hungry. And it's sort of planted the seed basically that I've got this idea. I want to ride across the country, raise money for No Kid Hungry. And she said, well, that sounds like a great idea. Let's think about it. Let's see what we can do. Let's get, we'll do some sort of preliminary ride. So no, so you don't have to do everything once. Initially I thought, shit, if I do this ride, people are just going to throw money at me because that's a good thing to do. But unfortunately it doesn't work like that. You still have to go, you know, um, thump the pave, you know, the pavement and, and, and raise the money as well. But you know, that first year we rode from New York to DC with a handful of um, um, chefs yeah. and a few just uh, avid cyclists and we raised 25,000. So the idea grew to the following year. We ended up with maybe 30 riders and we did both sides, New York to uh, DC. And then we did across the other side, I think we did, might have been Carmel to Santa Barbara, hmm. which was the year that I met uh, Pink and um, Jeff Bridges, who are also um, um, spokespeople for Share Our Strength. So I just got more invested. There was more energy and, you know, to the date, you know, numbers have grown. And to the point, though, I think in the last year, we've raised close to 9 million for wow. hungry kids. So it, we made a dent in, in what was once one in five kids turning up to school without a breakfast. And now in some states, it's only one in six. But, you know, it's, it's always been my understanding that no kid should ever have to choose between quality or quantity of food. So... It's weird considering you know there's a, there's plenty of food. Yeah, it's um yeah it's um inspirational that you do that and to raise that much money from a simple idea that just comes out like. But you but you but you know this that it's you know I, I can't take credit for all the money because there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of chefs and yeah. people and corporations who help raise this money. I definitely planted the seed and gave it a good old watering. But it's nice to, to stand back and watch it grow and be part of something that's magnificent and making it a change. But no one person could ever make that big a dent unless they had big pockets. So I, it, it's nice to be able to use what I have. I, I always agree with that saying. I always like, I'll get messages sometimes going, oh, Glenn, you're doing so well. I'm like, teamwork. 
Nobody, like even when people say somebody's self-made, nobody is self-made. They've always got, whether that be a mentor or whether that be like, it's teamwork, it's effort. But I suppose it'll um, bring me onto a lot of stuff that like we spoke about in terms of mindfulness. Um, is it something that you do and you predominantly work on yourself a lot more now as you've got older or you've always been very in tune with, with that side of things in meditation? I think, I think I've always been somewhat mindful and that's probably coming from an empathetic side is always to think about how the other person's feeling. I think as I've gotten older, I've given myself that space to check in with my own self and it's like talking to my, Jason, how are you feeling today? Yeah. What, what do you need? And today's a good example because I realized over the last three weeks, I mean, I probably could have written two cookbooks with the amount that I've cooked and, <laughs> and, and prepped and cleaned and, and I've changed my house around so many times just to create, you know, different, different looks. But like I said, I'm thriving at the moment, but I do allow myself that space. It's a good example of this too is, is of being mindful. You know, weight management is such a big thing. All right, because I've done a little bit of work in that area and worked on different products in the States around it. But I've never really, I mean, I've always had this thought that if you said to someone who was morbidly obese, who said, I don't know how to lose the weight, I'm pretty sure if I went to them and looked them in the eye, I said, pretty sure you know how to lose the weight. You need to move more and eat less. It's as simple as that. You can't outrun a poor diet. So everyone has those tools. It's just a matter of knowing how to tap into them and giving yourself that space. I think when you're constantly on the hamster wheel, and that's how I felt probably for the last few weeks, but I'm loving the shit out of it. Mm. But I, today I reached a point where I was like, Do you know what, Jason, you need to, you need to put your, your, your oxygen mask on first. So, so it really was just, just a, a thought. I need to slow down a little bit. I don't have to do everything all the time. Because at the same time, you know, we're in a space where, like, you know, I'm like anyone else, I'd lost probably four or five months worth of work for four or five trips to the States, various engagements. Um, they're gone. Mm. So like most chefs, like, where's my next paycheck? Where's my next dollar? So you have to be on that hamster wheel to go, 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 go. I need to, I need to, I need to. But interesting enough, I'm not spending any money on driving around, clothing, anything new, like just food. Yeah. And rent. And I have that. And so I can, and, and I need to lay off that. But I can tell you what, in the last three weeks, the amount of seeds that have been planted subconsciously are starting to sprout. And I can see it already. Yeah. And so it's okay to sit back every now and then. But that's another one of those things you have to be mindful of when you sit back, give yourself that time. Okay, what have I planted? Yeah. What started to grow? What started to cultivate? Who are those connections? And even if they haven't, give yourself a moment. Yeah. Take a step out. It's like, you know what? Sometimes you just need some fresh air. Go for a walk. You need to give yourself uh, time and evaluate yourself. Well, I couldn't agree with you more on that because my own self journey through this campaign over 15 months, I'd say I've loved every step of it. But what I've loved even more is learning more about myself and yep. self-discovery. And the people, like you say, when seeds are planted and you meet people and you learn things about yourself, those people tend to become your mentors because I was always looking initially, not with the campaign, but just in terms of anything. Like I was always attributing like a mentor to someone who owned a business and it was successful. But 
the past 15 months, I've had people who have teach me about me, meditation, mindfulness, and I've always been an empath. And I get messages now from friends at school going, it doesn't surprise me where you've gone because when I had issues, you used to listen to me and you didn't judge and all that kind of stuff. So it's all like that. But then I'm seeing like people, and we spoke about it a little bit the other day in terms of, I don't believe in coincidences now. There's a lot of serendipitous moments and when people mm. really come to people and it's, and I just seem to be attracting at the moment, everybody who has been through adversity, but use that mindfulness and meditation. And it's amazing. Like You've also got to think too, I think given the current timing, we're sort of forced to, you know, slow down, be at home. They're on there, you know, they're connecting that a little bit more. They're also in that space to be connecting, whereas before they weren't. They didn't have the time. They put, oh, I'll get to it next week. Oh, I'll do it. Don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll get through this week and then I'll start that exercise program. I'll start eating better next week. Like everyone's like, I'll do it again. I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> and, just, and then there's that cycle. But now that we've been forced, it's getting, you know, that first that panic and fear buying and shopping and getting things. And I think now people start to settle into, well, this is what it is for now. And they're giving themselves that space to start new things, creating. I mean, you can't even buy flour and on the shelves because people are baking and making pasta. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's fantastic. And you talk a lot about routine. Is that something that you'd suggest to any, anyone that, that's been helping you? And I think that... I just automatically jumped into a routine. I think prior to, you know, to isolation, I actually didn't have a routine. I'd ride my bike whenever I wanted. You know, I wasn't really working. You know, my work sort of intermittent. It's here and it's there. It's like, you know, money's like this for me sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I didn't really have a routine and I could, <laughs> I could lie in bed all day if I wanted to and watch movies and stuff. So I felt ever since isolation, I felt like I've had, a real calling and a reason to want to help people and get out of bed and be focused and create and listen. Listening, listening is what's been powerful for me, actually listening to what people need. Um, it's, it's no point me going out, you know, and, and doing these, certainly doing these lives and cooking just what I want to cook. You know, I'll, I'll do that sometimes. But I fear that I, just even being mindful and tapping into what makes sense, what's going to nourish, what's going to give you a chance to use your, your, your hands with when you may be fidgety. So that's why I think the past is really special. Yeah. And we have got you coming up shortly to do it, to do one for <laughs> the perfect pasta. So, um, yeah. Well, I, I just want to take this time to thank you um, for coming on and taking the time to chat with us and sharing your story. But um, what what's, obviously, this is a hard question at the moment because we're in isolation and kind of lockdown. What's yeah. next for, for Jason? Um, interesting enough, you know, I've, I planted a few seeds and some have come to fruition even in the last couple of weeks. And I think because I've been so onto social media knowing, you know, I've been mindful of that too, even though I need to withdraw myself is that I know there is tenfold the amount of eyes on social media. So I basically just tapped into that a lot harder and it's starting to pay off. You know, I just shot... Um, a new campaign for Harris Farm Markets, which is really cool. They, uh, today, actually, they launched their Greater Goodness IGTV cooking series, um, and I'm one of the chefs for that. Um, I've signed on as the chef for the RAM, which is a virtual RAM race across America, which will, will be filmed from here in Australia. 
um, and around the world. Um, so as the guests, I'll be doing two live cooking demos um, over 12 days uh, in June. But leading up to that is plenty of social content. So a lot of social content, a lot of cooking. Yeah. Um, and then outside of that, my plan is to get off the grid a little bit, not off the grid, off the phone, but <laughs> teach, but teach people to walk barefooted, be around the fire, you know, and then even that's a, that's a, that's a touchy one still because it wasn't okay that we had the bushfires and I'm a big fan of fire and smoke and, and fire because to me that's, that's probably just as ground speed isolated at home. <laughs> I just love, I mean, I love being around the fire, talking, telling stories. And for me, it's nostalgic. I think nostalgic is, and tapping into the nostalgic side of your life and, and, and those smells that, that are evoked through food and it's transcending you back to time with your grandparents or your parents. Like everyone has a different story. You have to lay yourself that time as well. And, and I think... Um, and I think, and I mentioned this quickly before, I said, you know, I, I believe, you know, mental health is a sliding scale. We all have mental health, yeah. good or poor. Um, when you tap into your own mental health, you're allowed to sit in the middle and start again each time you do that. So it's what can I do today to be better for myself? Be, what, how can I teach myself something new um, the empathetic side of me will always be there. And I think that is what helps me stay on the more positive side of my mental health. And it's that giving. And I think as a chef, um, if I can't teach or give or share, then I'm not being true to myself. And, and, and to me, that's, that's the true art of living. Yeah. And there's nothing better. Like you were saying, though, like I, I just finished off with sat around that campfire connecting I love the way that you said everyone has a story and that's what I think a fellow empath just gets it and you could sit hours and just yeah. listen and ingrain. And when you was talking about your, your grandma and she's like the, the matriarch of the family and all that was in my head is God, God, I bet she's got good sort of stories. Oh my God. No, she, oh my God. That's, that's another, that's another podcast. I tell you what, she had an incredible life, that one. But I love listening to, to, to the older generation cause they have seen some things and I'm just like, that's, you can learn so much from people. And I've always said, like, since I became more open about what I went through with body dysmorphia to my friends, me and my male mates have become a lot more closer. Mm -hmm. I think that kind of, that scarcity or that kind of when people are nervous, there's a guy that is coming on the cooking thing next because he's really excited to see what you're cooking with pasta. But um, he's just been learning a lot from, from myself, from what I've been learning from other people. And he's just going wow, in the past week of knowing you and learning that just giving and listening to people and you can use your platform to actually help others and not expect anything in return. It's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Amazing. But where can people find out more information about you? Um, so I guess through, through any of the channels, most channels for me would be Instagram or Twitter or, or Facebook. Just check out Chef Jason Roberts. There's a website under there as well. Um, I'm usually giving live updates, sorts anyway, but yeah. I'm just a human of the earth, my friend, and I'm here for anyone and everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're an amazing guy, and I will put all the links below. Um, so I just want to thank you on behalf of the Coming On campaign and myself, mate, truly appreciate it. For 
anybody that um, wants to catch up on this episode, just simply download and subscribe at iHeartRadio and Spotify, and you can catch up and check out all the latest episodes as well. Until next time, guys, thank you for tuning in.